Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I want you to go with me to Psalm 27, please. And I'd like to minister to you this morning, and then we'll receive tithes and offerings, and, and then we'll go home, praise the Lord. But <laughs> we'll go home about 3 o'clock. How's that? Psalm 27, I have been on these scriptures, and, you know, I, I just can't get away from them. Um, there's lots of been, has been said over this last several weeks, and, and uh, myself, and I feel at times I'm speaking out of the overflow of my own workings with the Lord. How many people knows that's what happens? And, you know, in the world there seems to be, you know, all this going on. And here we are as the people of God, the church of Jesus Christ, and we've been given a completely different set of rules to live by. We're not to live like the one, you know, who doesn't have Jesus, right? We're to live like we have Jesus, we have the whole of heaven, we have the lock, stock, and barrel, amen. We're to live that we actually are part of the kingdom of God. And sometimes when you're being berated and pummeled by all of this stuff that's going on in the world, there's so much of it that can just knock the stuffing out of you, it can knock the wind out of you. And of course, being pastors, we get to meet people, you know, on a regular basis that are just working through stuff. Not everybody's always on a high. Not, a, not everybody's always sort of yippee-dee-yo, thigh-slapping and saying, it's good. There's a lot of people working through stuff, working through health challenges, working through financial challenges, working through changes, working through emotional upheavals, all of these different things. But we know the ultimate is that the Word is final authority. Say that with me. The Word is final authority. But we still have to work through some of these things. I wish we were so automatic and so robotic, you know, that we just, nothing ever affected us. But yet, we are a tripart being, spirit, soul, and body. The soul was not given to us to eradicate it. Our mind, will, and emotions, we need them intact, and we need them working, and we need them working well. We need this body working, and we need it working well. So we're just not spirits, you know, that are trying to get rid of our minds and rid of our emotions and rid of all of these different things. No, we're spirit beings that by the power of the Word and the leadership of Jesus Christ, by the power of the Spirit, are bringing our mind and the will and emotions into the agreement the reality and the manifestation of what the Word can actually do in all of us, spirit, soul, and body. Amen? So like you, I've been working through a lot of things. Amen? Been challenged in some areas. But that's just life. Life comes to challenge. Not the life of God. The life of God gives us that fire, that determination, that ability to step up and step over all the challenges that this life would want to come against us. You know, sometimes you don't really know that you can do what it is that you're supposed to do until you realize that what you thought was your greatest opposition has become your greatest step up, the greatest jump, the greatest opportunity for you to truly produce who it is you actually are. In Psalm 27, it sets the stage here. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? 
The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? So it's setting the stage, right? The Lord is my light and my salvation, period. If I was to stop right there, that's good enough. But then it brings in this. Whom shall I fear? Or whom shall I be afraid? Many times through Scripture you will see it, that fear is not part of God's plan and purpose for our lives. Scripture tells us very clearly that perfect love casts out fear. Say that with me. Perfect love casts out all fear. Right? Now look at this in verse 2. When the wicked, even mine enemies and my foes, came up to me to eat up my flesh, they stumble and they fall. I haven't done anything except positioned myself with the Lord as my light and my salvation. It's told me not to fear or be afraid. And then it jumps into verse 2. When the wicked, even mine enemy and my foe, come upon me to eat up my flesh, they stumble and they fall. Though an host should encamp against me, my heart shall not... Praise God. My heart shall not... Though war should rise against me, in this will I be confident. One thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after, and I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For in the time of trouble, I want you to take your pen and underline that, or I want you to highlight that in your device. <clears throat> For in the time of trouble, he shall hide me. I I'm not doing anything yet. I just have acknowledged him as my Lord and my light. I have refused fear. And now I'm entering into a promise that is coming on the back of a principle. Everybody say this, I have a promise. For in the time of trouble, how many people's ever had a little trouble? How many people's ever had a big trouble? Praise the Lord, you're still here. For in the time of trouble he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me. In other words, I shall not be found. And this is what I've been praying, this next little part here in the King James. See this? It says, he shall set me up. Right? And that's where I've been stopping. I know that you can say, he sets me up on a rock. But I, every time I pray this, it's like, and he will set me up. It's a setup. It's a setup. I'm going to say it again. It's a setup. Shout it out. He's setting me up for success. Now look at this in verse 6. And now shall mine head be lifted up above mine enemies round about me. Therefore will I offer in his tabernacle sacrifices of joy. I will sing, yea, I will sing praises unto the Lord. So I have acknowledged him as my Lord and my light. And not, I'm not afraid. I know that enemies are falling before me. 
<clears throat> I know that I'm hidden. I know that I'm inaccessible in the secret place. And look, what's it saying? Now I'm to praise him. Praise him. Praise him. I'm just simply to praise him. Amen. And it sounds like work. But so much wants to happen. I want you to shout it out. I have nothing to fear. I'll go back up here. I have nothing to fear. Now go with me, please, to Jeremiah 33.3. Jeremiah 33.3, one of my favorite scriptures. I have about a thousand favorite scriptures. Jeremiah 33.3 says it like this. Call on to me, and I will answer you. Final, no doubt. Call on to me, and I will answer you. And I will keep you in the dark. And you will never know anything ever again of a spiritual nature. No, let's read it. Call on to me, and I will answer you. And I will show you great and mighty things, not just things. I will show you great and mighty things. This is how the Lord has been ministering to me for weeks and weeks and weeks. I know where this is going. Great things are about to manifest. Mighty things which you did not know. Amplified says things which were fenced in and hidden. Right? Now, let's go on over to John 14, 1. John 14, 1. Man, Pastor, do you not know any other sermons? I want the rhema word. John 14, 1. Let not your heart be troubled. So this must be doable. So this must be doable. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Go to verse 26 and 27. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you a few little things to help you when you really need help. No? What's it say? He will teach you, underline this please, he will teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance. All things. Now that's a deal right there. All things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. So whatever he has said to you from the moment that you get born again, he in an instant can bring to remembrance that you don't have to fiddle around in your mind trying to remember and bring out your folders of all the prophecies. At the moment that you need to know what it is that you need to know, the Spirit can bring to your remembrance. <laughs> Hallelujah, shut it out. No more eagles in the chicken coop. Praise the Lord. 
That's what Satan wants. He wants you to see the dirt. He wants you to see the problem. He wants you to see how terrible it is. And he wants you to pray prayers that, that actually will try. The enemy wants you to pray prayers that you're actually engaged in trying to change what's going on in the world. But let's read Psalm 24. Or no, Matthew 24. I sense the mounting of God. <laughs> Let's go, please. Let's grab our Bibles. Everybody look at it. Hallelujah. Matthew 24, verse 1. Now we know from great scholars of the Word that the first eight verses is us, the church. So we can take a look at this, and we can see for sure God wants to tell us something for this time, just in days before the rapture. And Jesus went out, verse 1, and departed from the temple, and his disciples came to him for to show him the buildings of the temple. And Jesus said unto them, See ye not all these things? Verily I say unto you, There shall not be left here one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us, when shall these things be, and what shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world. So you can take it, ladies and gentlemen, today, that even the things that you hear today, for another group, there will be greater understanding. Things come in circles of revelation. To a group like this, we can speak a certain way, and you will hear a certain way. And you will hear certain things. But in a smaller group, more intimate group, and another group, a different maybe group of maturity, less or more, things will be heard differently. So they came to him, his disciples, privately, and they said, Jesus, would you mind expounding this to us? Would, would you mind just, you know, giving us a little more insight? And here he goes. And Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you. Now, I don't know how you get that out of the first three verses. But he's saying it. Take heed that no man deceive you. But Pastor Paul, that's like you. I just wish you would make sense. But look at Jesus. He said what needed to be said at the time that it needed to be said take heed that no man deceive you so this means that man can deceive you how many people would accept that man can deceive you so I'm not talking about people you don't know or just people on television and in news stations I think this is closer I think this is even to inner and outer circles. That you can be deceived by anyone. By anything. So my confession has been, I refuse to be deceived. Say that with me right now. I refuse. Say, man, this is different this morning. This is the word of the Lord. I'm telling you. I refuse to be deceived. Say it again. I refuse. Say this with me. I bind the spirit of deception 
off my life. The Word of God comes in my heart and holds me, eliminates my darkness. In the name of Jesus, floods my heart with light, Ephesians 1, that I may know whatever it is I need to know. And the Spirit will bring to remembrance everything that I need to remember. Come on, guys. He will cause you to remember why you came here, why God said Tulsa, Oklahoma. He has to remind me over and over and over at times, especially when it's 115 in the shade. <laughs> he has to remind us when you, you look out there and you don't see no water except from your sprinkler system. Take heed that no man deceive you, for many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ. Well, many will come in my name and say, I have a powerful anointing. Because Christ means the anointed one. The anointed one and his anointing. So many will come and say, that I am anointed and shall deceive many. This is where character comes in. I want you to write that in there, right there, character. Little word, character. Because this is not just about anointings. This is not just about giftings. This is about character. Y'all doing okay? Yes. Wave at me if you're doing okay, okay. Am I being nice? Okay, praise the Lord. Yes. Hallelujah. This is about character. Longevity of producing Christ. Not just his ability, but his character. His character is love. Joy, peace, long-suffering, long gentleness, meekness, kindness, right? Not when you feel like being kind. <laughs> Not when you feel like loving, right? Because anybody, any one of us at any time can feel an anointing, especially in a church like this, right? I mean, the presence of the Lord's all over the place. You just come in here and go... There he is. So you can't put a premium on just, I'm anointed. I have to be able to walk with God in good reputation more than six weeks. If I really want people to respect the anointing on my life. Come on, is this okay for you? But I don't know why people don't respect me more. It's because we're just not looking for that anointing. We're looking for the character to back it up. How many people wants to go to a reputable doctor that knows knowledge and is brilliant to help you get better? 
and he has the character to back it up. Yes. Lift your hands and wave at me right there. Amen. You want to go to your attorney that is exactly the same thing. Right? When I go to a restaurant to eat, now please hear me because I believe God's in this. When I go to a restaurant to eat, the chef can be brilliant in the kitchen, but if I see him out the back of the restaurant, puffing on a cigarette, and just having a laugh with the girls, my respect for that chef and all his fancy cooking has just left me. Sam, will you judge? No, 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 I'm trying to push a point. Because you want to fly high, then you have to get rid of stuff that will keep you low. That was a good place to clap. You want to fly high, then you have to get rid of stuff that will keep you low. That's why rising in God can become uncomfortable. Because you're leaving the norm of how things were and how you could act then. It's the same in business. It's the same in every. These are laws that you have to adapt and become fortified within yourself with traits that produce godly character. <laughs> Shut it out, we're going to make it. So I wish we could just, you know, just say, just have at it, guys. The anointing is just amazing. The presence is just amazing. But there's no longevity without the responsibility of an individual saying, I take the necessary change. For instance, if I tell you something about my life, and I believe that it's told in confidence. Yes. Come, on, come, on. Like, come on, work with me. Yes. It's a Sunday morning good message. Yes, this is good. And the next thing I hear, Naomi knows it. Yes. For me, I don't care how anointed you are. you're showing that your character cannot live up to the position God wants to give you. Hallelujah. How many people in this room believe that God has business in your future? Let me see your hands. Well, your business is only going to be as good, people say, as your product. I disagree. Your business is going to only ever be as good as your character. Because for return, clients, relationship of trust. And I mean, you work in computer, you work in all of these different with computers, and you're working with people all the time. So you see so much of this go on. Just because you can push buttons doesn't mean to say that you're a blessing to the company. <laughs> Your character has a lot to do with it. Come on, shut it up. My character is being developed. 
Come on, say it again. My character is being developed. Lift your hand if this is okay for you this morning. My character is being developed. So when you get in the Word, things begin to change. In charismatic circles, you know, it's like, I wish it would be, it's just, you know, we just jump and shake and fall down and we expect prayer to do it all for us. But I honestly believe that in reading the scripture, this is where some are getting deceived. Help me preach this. Come on. That's where some's getting deceived because they, they just want a touch from God. They, they want God to sort it. They want, an, they want to feel okay about their life. But we're not here to feel okay about our life. We're here to finish out our lives. And that takes adjustments. How many, how many people in a week do you see at the chiropractic practice? Car practice? Hmm? Yeah, hundreds of folks in a month. And they're all there for what? An adjustment. They're not there. As much as a nice guy he is, they're not there just to visit with Paul. Oh, you know, I'm here. You know, praise the Lord. Here's my money, and I just want to sit with you, Paul. He's just such a nice guy. I just, I feel so good around Paul. Oh, now, listen to me. So we tithe and we give and we do all these different things and we sit in the church and around Paul and we feel better. But unless I get adjusted, I'm still going out the same. I might feel better. All's good with me and Paul. That's what I want to know. Just that it's good with you and me. We, we're good. We jive. We're good. But I was there not to feel Paul, to feel good about us. I was there to be adjusted. And you can see that the 12 disciples were constantly being adjusted. Well, I'm going to find myself a church that they don't do adjustments. <laughs> then I can tell you right now, you are sentencing yourself to a life that you have created. It's your choice to stay where you are. Change is a beautiful thing that comes. People think I love it because I'm a minister of change. They think I love it. He loves change. But truly, Paul, I don't like lots of change. But I've learned now in my early 50s that without change, then I will never fulfill my destiny. Because every year, every month, every week, I have to adapt, align, realign, adjust, check myself. I found myself recently, you know, just in anything but the love of God. That's why I'm preaching it. I'm preaching it. I'm preaching it. I'm preaching it for me. I am owning up to you that your pastor needs serious help with some things right now regarding the love of God. So I have to adjust and adjust and adjust and adjust and adjust. 
Come on, look at your neighbor and say, me too, hallelujah. Because you're sitting there pretty and you're just, you're looking at me like, I can't believe that we have a pastor that needs help with the love of God. Now the love of God is shed abroad in my heart by the Holy Spirit, but, but sometimes I don't want that love. Sometimes I want to take care of business and tell people what I think love really is. But I'm a minister. I'm anointed. And I have to develop character also. So if I go around anointed telling everybody what I think of them and what they are and you blankety blank and, and if I go around smoking behind the bike shed at the back of the church and if I just go around doesn't matter how anointed I am in here. Well, pastor, you should just tell people how it is. <laughs> how did that go for you? Somebody recently, even a minister of the gospel, said to me, you know, you, you have the freedom to tell us if God is speaking to you anything that we need to know or change. And I looked at that text and I said, you must be off your rocker. Because <laughs> I tried that in the early days and it did not go well for me. Because while people love you and it's all good with you, they'll take anything you say. But the moment they disagree with you, everything that you have said comes back to bite you. So look at your neighbor and say, you really don't know, want to know what I think right now. In the name of Jesus, I, I'm just staying and doing all I can to be in the love of God. Can I have a big amen? So look at this. It says many will come to deceive you. They will come saying, I am the Christ anointings and shall deceive many and you shall hear of wars and rumors of wars we are look at look, you turn on your television set you go to any channel you can hear it's not only Ukraine now I mean it's buzzing around Taiwan China and USA all of these different things it's ramping up and some people will be trying to pray against these things but you cannot pray against prophecy what we need to be doing is fortifying ourselves causing ourselves to become so strong in God that no matter what happens on the earth before the rapture, our hearts will not fail us. Shout it out. My heart, well, I'm trying not to preach, but I feel the preach coming on. I, my heart will not fail me. I don't care what's coming. It is my choice to stand strong in God and for Christ to rise within me. And if he has to align me and I have to get more acquainted with the love of God and I have to understand how to love people in a better way and understand people in a deeper way and love them in a deeper way, then I tell you as your pastor, I'm willing to do that. Why? Because it's going to take something in this day and hour to overlook people's faults. People just like you. Maybe we can't even get out of the kitchen in our house. Jesus, just even the rapture so that we don't have to go another 10 years married. Now, I have a wonderful marriage. I'm talking about you. 
You know, God can give you a spouse to help you change. Not to make you change, but to help you change. Because we're only a part. A half, a half becomes a whole. Now we're stuck together. I can't even think an individual thought that that may be a great thought without it being challenged by another thought. And that thought was not even in my mind. It was in the mind of the one that I am now one with. But the love of God is in this one. And we overcome everything by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. And as a whole, we are better than a half. And if I don't see it to begin with, Karen can see it. If she doesn't see it to begin with, I can see it too. Are better than. So if you don't have a spouse, then you have to make sure that you're walking with God and that you've got a godly covenant friend. A godly covenant friend is not a yes person. Amen? They see your life going south a little bit. They're going to help you get back up towards the equator. That's a good friend. A good friend is not allowing your life just to be whatever it wants to be. It's called character development, ladies and gentlemen. We are supposed to sharpen each other. Iron sharpens iron. Our relationships are not supposed to be just twee and just, amen. Oh, glory to God, dropping grapes in each other's mouths. Stop that. Get on with your life. Work for a chance. Work for another moment. So say the love of God. Is this okay? The love of God is shed abroad in my heart. Look. And there will be wars and rumors of wars. See that you be not troubled. For all these things must come to pass. But the end is not yet. For nations shall rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in diverse places. All these are the beginning of sorrows, and I wrote in there the end of the church as we know it. This is the beginning of sorrows, these things that we are experiencing. I wish an anointing was all I needed to produce a billion-dollar business. You say, well, I know a lot of wealthy people, and they have no character, but you're not them. You're of the kingdom of God. Well, a few shady characters out there, but shady characters. How many people are glad in this room that you're not called a shady character? Let me hear your hand. Wave up. Shut it out. I'm not a shady character. Amen. My word is my bond. Come on, say it like you mean it. My word is my bond. I don't want to say it. Say it. Because I tell you, Satan wants you to say other things. Now, I've been declaring over you and over me that we love each other. 
that we're among a company that loves each other. I'm not going to go just immediately to the love chapter, 1 Corinthians 13. You'll be glad to know. I want to just go to a great scripture, John 13, 16. Just give me a few more minutes. I'm having a lot of fun with this. But this is how it is right now. I'm crying out to God, shape me, mold me. When I feel myself under pressure with a certain thing, I'm saying, God, I don't like being under pressure with this. So God, you know, as a good father and as a father like Jeremy here, do you know what I automatically want to do? I want to go ahead and take that pressure off, Jeremy. But all pressure is not bad. There is a molding and a shaping pressure. Like when you're under pressure with, I don't know how to do this. Somebody else do it. No, you do it. What's happening? Development. Development. It's pressure. This is a really rare, weird Sunday morning service. No, we have whatever we have now until the rapture. Several years, I don't know. But we can live at the expense and the mercy of others, or we can take our lives yes. and we can say, you know what, I know, I know the, because I tell you, the most unsuccessful people are the ones who criticize others the most. I will say that one more time. The most unsuccessful people are the ones who criticize others the most. Do you ever notice that people have very little, yet they criticize every other person and everything that they do? But yet they have nothing to show for in their own lives. That is not a good person to hang around. I shouldn't have said that. Shut it out. I am a producer. God has given me the ability to learn, to change, to adapt, to gain knowledge. You know, Matthew, my nephew that was here a couple of weeks ago, some of you don't know him, but I tell you, he's such a great kid. Well, he was going home to get the results of his finals. Of course, it's big, you know. In the United Kingdom, you know, you get to that stage, you get to the fifth year, and uh, this determines whether you go to school for another two years. And you don't do well at this stage, you don't get back to school. Cut and dry. You're not going. So you got to score good. Well, I said, how do you think you're going to do? And he was like, well, I'll not know until whatever. I said, Matthew, I agree with you. Now, he worked. He's a bright cookie. He got seven A's, two B's, and a C. And he's going back. I want you to lift your hand and say, God helps me. Even when I don't even know I need the help. Oh, come on. Christ in me, the hope of glory. There is character that's about to be manifesting through people in this day and hour, ladies and gentlemen. I want you to look at your neighbor and say, you don't even know who you're sitting beside. Praise the Lord. Because you think it's about gifting. This is where the world is at. They think it's about gifting. They think if I can just, you know, even in the church world, if I can just be gifted enough on the platform, if I can just be, you know, uh, anointed enough on the platform, you'll get a few people. You might even get a crowd. But without character, 
eventually one day, everybody will see what you really are. Because you might fool people some of the time, but you will never fool people all of the time. And it's the same with business. You can't start a business this week and start another one the next week and then start another one the next week and stop this one this week and stop this one. Now people's looking for longevity. Character means that you're going to come back to my shop over and over and over again. Why? Because you got value for money. You like my character. You know that I'm just not in it for the buck. No, no. You got service. Can I have a big amen? You got service. Shut it out. It's called character. Well, Pastor Paul, you know, I don't know why people won't give me a break. They will. They will. When you have learned to do it God's way. Say, I know people in the world, they're prospering. I told you before, you're not in the world. John 3.16 says this, For God so greatly loved and dearly prized the world that he even gave up his only begotten Son, so that whosoever believes and trusts and clings to and relies on him shall not perish, come to destruction, or be lost, but have eternal, everlasting life. Everybody say that with me. Eternal, everlasting life. Oh, come on, the Zoe kind of life. The God kind of life on earth as it is in heaven. I want you to lift your hand and grasp it right now and say, I take it in the name of Jesus. Come on. I don't care what size of house you live in. I'm looking for your character. I don't care how many people you raise from the dead. I'm looking for your character. I don't care how many messages you can preach. I'm looking for your character. Character is going to stick with me a very long time. When the feeling of the anointing has left and you have left the office of my business, you're taking more with you than just the feeling of being with me. You're taking away with you what? Part of the skill that I have and what? Knowledge and the part of character. That's going to walk with you. Character walks with people. I'm going to say that one more time. Character walks with people. Do you know I've had the pleasure over this 20-something years of ministry to watch so many people not only develop in their giftings and anointings, but to develop in character. Change came to them. When I sit and talk to people now, maybe so many years later, they talk differently. They act differently. They live differently. I can say, well, oh, I miss, I miss that. No, no, I don't miss that man. I'm loving this man. I don't miss that girl. I'm loving this girl. When people change and gain knowledge and all of these different things, they're not what they wear. So you must receive them as they are. The message translation says this. This is how much God loves the world. He gave a son, his one and only son, this, and this is why. So that no one need be de destroyed. By believing in him, anyone can have a whole and lasting life. God didn't go to all the trouble of sending his son merely to point an accusing finger. Telling the world how bad it is, he came to help to put the world right. See, anybody can look and see how bad something is and how bad a person is. It takes another individual to see their potential. Can I have a big amen? But that has to be met with, yes, I have potential, and I 
have to change so that I can meet what it is that's being required of me and bring to pass what it is that God has destined me to become. Shut it out. I am becoming what it is that God has already created me to be. Amen. I'm taking a step and, and a step in the necessary direction, in the right direction. And I may be feeling uncomfortable. I may be feeling like I'm out of sorts right now, but that's okay. Don't tell anybody. Amen. Just keep praising God. Just keep loving God. Amen. It may not be going right for you right now, but that's okay. It's like the weather in Oklahoma. It's going to change in a minute or two. Amen. God may put you with somebody. And my God, I'm telling you, he makes me feel so uncomfortable. That's okay. Be uncomfortable. There's something in him that's trying to get on you. You're not looking to bring everybody down to a friend's status. Oh, come on, that's a good word right there. You're not looking for it to be buddy-buddy with everybody. You're not looking so that we can just all just hang out in the back porch, right? And that We can only do that with so many people. But the majority you will never be able to do that with. Because most people want you to be their friend. And yet you've been sent in as a sledgehammer, as a knife, as a rock, as iron, so that you can sharpen. But nobody wants you to be the friend that sharpens. What type of friend are you? I mean, you leave me bleeding every time we come together. But you get to a stage where you love it, that you love me enough that you actually yank my chain, that you actually call. No, this is not acceptable. But in the world we live in, to even say this is not acceptable is not acceptable in the woke world. You're pushing me. You're pushing me to pray, Pastor Paul. You're pushing me. That's woke. Just let me be what I want to be, and no one has a say. That's not how it works. I don't care if you're 55. Mama still has a say. We live by these principles. We listen. In our house, I know how it works. They ask me something, I say, go ask your mother. Please ask your mother. <laughs> How many men know what I'm talking about? Go ask your mother. That's above my pay grid. Agape simply means affection, goodwill, love, and benevolence. I want to read this from Pastor Rick. The meaning of agape, the word agape is so filled with deep emotion. Maybe if I could have Tim or somebody come back, please, right now. The word agape is so filled with deep emotion and meaning that it is one of the most difficult words to translate in the New Testament. Agape occurs when an individual sees, recognizes, and understands or appreciates the value of an object or a person, causing the viewer to behold this object or person in great esteem, awe, admiration, wonder, and sincere appreciation. Such great respect is awakened in the heart of the observer for the object or person he is beholding that he is compelled to love it. In fact, his love for that person or object is so strong that it is irresistible. Agape is a love that loves so profoundly that it knows no limits or boundaries in how far, wide, high, and deep it will go 
to show that love to its recipient. recipient. If necessary, agape love will even sacrifice itself for the sake of that object or person it so deeply cherishes. Agape is the highest form of love, a self-sacrificial type of love that moves the lover to action. Agape is a high-level love. It is a love that has no strings attached, a love that loves simply and purely. It is the God kind of love. Martin Luther King said this, Agape is something of the understanding, creative, redemptive goodwill for all men. It is a love that seeks nothing in return. It is an overflowing love. It's what theologians will call the love of God working in the lives of men. And when you rise to love on this level, you begin to love men, not because they are likable, but because God loves them. See, guys, if we want to continue to just live out of what's likable, we're going to miss the whole plot. It's so easy to get along with what you like. It's so easy to be with the ones that we're compatible with. But the love of God reaches beyond and says, you know what? I want your future even more than I want my own. I want you to make it more than what I even want to make it. But love cannot overreach and tamper with the will of an individual. Man's will must meet this love head on and say, I receive it. You see, I've loved so many people over the years that have made it. And I've loved so many people over the years that they just fall and fall and fall and fall. And you know, at times they begin to make it everybody else's fault except their own. But one thing that we have to employ in all of this that I'm talking about today is the act of our will. I, by my will, receive the help of love. I don't care how it makes me feel. I don't care its expectations of me. I know that love will produce me what I have been created in Christ Jesus to be. I pray over you the right place, the right time. I pray over you to see with eyes, with clarity. And don't be moved by how you feel about what's going on in your life. But center yourself, anchor yourself in the Word of God and know those who labor among you, whether it be in the church world or whether it be in the business world. God brings us people at times like that bicycle at Christmas and on the side of the package it says some assembly required and at 103 on Christmas morning you were sitting there trying to put this bike together that was made in China somewhere and you find that the bolt that holds it all together is missing Your character is being challenged right now. Christmas is about to be a mess right now. Not because of the bolt that is missing from the guy sitting in a back shed in China, but because you should have put the bike together 
at a different time instead of 103 on Christmas morning when you realized you needed another bolt. See, time is our greatest, most precious gift that God has given to any of us. And what you do with time is going to make the difference in all of our lives. I want you to say this, I take authority over procrastination right now in the name of Jesus. Father, whatever I need to do today, I am not putting off to tomorrow. And whatever change needs to take place in my life today, I receive it today. Billy Graham said this, agape love is selfless love. The love God wants us to have isn't just an emotion, but it's a conscious act of the will. A deliberate decision on our part to put others ahead of ourselves. This is the kind of love God has for us. You know, I didn't need to get up at 3 o'clock yesterday morning. I could have just stayed on and had somebody else minister. We get to Boston for our flight at 6.15. and We're sitting there on the airplane and everything's cool, everything's wonderful. The next thing, a hydraulic issue. We're on the plane an hour sitting there and said, guys, the inevitable has happened. You must deplane. And now it's just like a herd of cattle coming off the plane. Thank God we got off pretty quickly. And we're just, you know, going up there and, you know, just a few in front of us so that we can get something adjusted. And he's thinking to yourself, I don't need to do this. I've just ministered three stonking services, seen so many lives impacted. I don't need this. I, I, physically, I need to go to bed, spend time with the Lord. But you know what? The Lord quickens us. And the lady that was helping me, she was really no help. <laughs> How many people have ever met someone when you really needed them that they were no help? They were like an ashtray on a motorcycle. I'm telling you, no good whatsoever. No, nada. Nothing. And I really needed this lady to help us. And she was, well, I can put you through Chicago and United and all these different things. And I'm just like, <sighs> love of God, love of God, love of God. Agape, agape. I might see this woman some other time. And this lady beside her was working with this other lady, and she's going, well, if you go quickly, you can get the 845 to Dallas. I looked at the lady, and I said, there's an 845 to Dallas? This was, this was uh, 815. I said, there's an 845 to Dallas? She says, oh, yes, there is, actually. I said, well, hello. Are there seats on there by any chance? She says, yes, there are. I said, please put me on that plane to Dallas. She tried, and it wouldn't let me on. She says, I don't know. It's letting your wife on. It's letting your daughter on, but it's not letting you on. I said, hello. <laughs> I know your name. 
You were trying to push me over the edge, devil, right now. And I know devil cannot be in Russia and cannot be in these different places, and he can't be in New Hampshire all at the same time. Well, I'm telling you, yesterday morning, he was in Boston, Massachusetts at an American check-in desk. I said, I know your name. Name yourself. I said, try, please try it one more time. My tongues are going like a fiddler's elbow. I said, oh, there you go, there you go. It's done at this time. I said, give me that boarding pass. So I get into my seat. It wasn't the same seat that I had. The other seat I had was a nice seat. This seat is way down in the middle of the aircraft and in A, up in the window. And on my phone it says American Airlines on the thing. You know, my flight had been changed then from Dallas to Tulsa to 6 p.m. I said, I'm getting into Dallas at 11.20. I said, Carmen, what flight are you put on? She said, oh, I'm put on the what, 11.35? I said, which one's Jeremy on? 11.35. I said, I'm on the 6.35. So I'm fiddling about on my app, and it says, now, all flights are closed, no change available. Now, I want to let you know, is that I am platinum. <laughs> Pro. And it brings a little perk and I couldn't even get perks working for me because Perky was out to lunch. <laughs> so I remember reading something about this and said, look, if you're ever stuck, use the text messaging. And I thought, where is the button? Where is Joshua when you need him? Where is the button? There's a button around here somewhere and I found it at the top and I hit the button and it came up three different questions of what they thought I could need help with and I started out my wife and my child is on another flight I need on the same flight and I've already checked and this seat is available can you please put me on it and the guy went through ten minutes of discussions with me <laughs> and I eventually said this word please put me on this light on this seat and within a couple of minutes it was done you think I'm exaggerating this was what was going on and I'm going godly character I am being highly developed highly developed because it's not the first time that I've sought on an airplane and people have said well hey pastor Paul so I'm always mindful, Paul, don't blow it on this airplane. Don't blow it in this line. I was somewhere in Tulsa last week at an appointment. This was the second time I went to this appointment with this person. They didn't know me from Adam, first time filling out all the forms, all those different times. The next time I came to this person, she welcomed me with, oh, hi, Pastor Paul.
David Jeremiah said this, we're going home. It is possible to be at the top of Christian service, respected and admired, and not have that indispensable ingredient by which God has chosen to work in his world today. The absolute sacrificial agape love of the eternal God. Max Lucado, everyone knows Max. What is the love that endures decades, passes on sleep, and resists death to give one a kiss? Call it agape love. A love that bears the semblance of God's. Ladies and gentlemen, finish today as we give our tithes and our offerings. God loves you for no reason except that he loves you. And he gave his son for you that you would become the undeniable, indisputable offspring of the Father. Such a great future awaits each and every one of us. Come on. How many people believe that you're going to live it out to the full, to the overflow? The moment that you think that your life doesn't matter is the moment that you have to think again. When you think that the way that you act doesn't really matter, you got to forgive me. And you're revealing to everybody, agape is not really there right now. You see, when you walk around in unforgiveness and hold an offense with people, agape love is not there. Because the love of the Father just simply says, I love you. And I don't need a reason. I just love you. Lift your hands with me. Pray in the Spirit just for a moment or two. Let this settle deep in your heart. Come on, guys. That man would know who you are. That they would know you by the fruit. That they would know, Jesus, because of the love that you have for each other. And I know for one, it'll be like, oh man, this was a different type of message. But I believe that this is the message of God. I believe that the, the message of the hour is the love of God. What can we say? What can we do? How can we do this? How can I go beyond myself for others? They're irritating, agitating me. No, 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 no. That's just revealing you. In love, basically says, I meet your demand that I expect you to love me unconditionally. But come on, meet me with it. Love me unconditionally. I want to preach on that unconditional sometime because it's just not unconditional. There are some things attached to that that will produce the power and the purpose of God in your life. I pray today that you got something out of this. I pray today that you heard the Father, because in the day that we're living in, go ahead and clap right now, the day and hour that we're living in, come on, that's a good place to give him praise and honor and magnify his name, because the day that we're living in, I'm telling you, it's coming to steal, it's coming to kill, it's coming to destroy. Everything is set up now to rob from you, to take from you. Everything is set up. Look at our government. Look at the governments of the world. Who in the right mind would have thought that it could have come to this? Well, what Satan had hatched through COVID was just part of the plan to bring people to a place, even the church, as being cautious. But we got to get back, ladies and gentlemen, into the offensive positioning 
and begin to move forward again, shoulder into it with our foot leaning into it and seeing the goodness of God manifest in our lives. Come on, shout a big amen.